0: Agriculture is Saskatchewan and 620 CKRM is your source for everything A. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley.
1: And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Seedmaster's Nova Series 2. No clever message, just simple, no nonsense precision. Learn more about the features at seedmaster.ca. And brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock, for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today we outlined the new lifetime shareholder program being set up by Canadian Western Agribition. The annual livestock show this month was cancelled due to the coronavirus. However, there are a dozen events featured online and one live sale late this month. Real agriculture highlights sprayer preparation for next year. This is a big week for 4-H across Canada and we have a feature interview. We have reports on checking canola for heating in your grain bin. And a water management study on Discovery Farm near Langham, that's northwest of Saskatoon. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. Great. This is Saskatchewan
0: Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley.
1: There are some major changes for Canadian Western agri in Regina this fall because of the coronavirus. CEO Chris Lane says there's one live sale. He says the live commercial cattle sale will be held in partnership with Johnstone's Auction Mart, held in Moose Jaw on November 28th. He adds a dozen events will be featured online, including a social media shout-out to volunteers and a new lifetime shareholder program.
2: You know, one of the things that was the most disappointing this year for Agribition was uh, in the, you know, right when COVID-19 was starting to, to really land here, um, we had to essentially cancel our volunteer appreciation night. And that's the outside of the show week. That's the one night of the year where we get to get all of our volunteers together and, um, and thank them um, and celebrate them a bit. So we really wanted to, to, to not miss the opportunity to do that this year entirely. So we've come up with a program here that I think is, is a lot of fun and it gives people a little bit of uh, insight into the kind of people that are volunteers at Agribition. We've got a, a, a series of profiles that are almost like digital baseball cards, I would say, uh, around uh, a selection of our volunteers. So we'll be able to hear you know, who they are and how long they've been volunteering here for, what kind of things they like about Agribition and what kind of work they do here. And I would say it's it's interesting as you 'll see them come out on social media and online over the next several months is that uh, there's a common theme around volunteerism at agrion and that it it really is all about the people the the, the favorite memories that people have um, and why they keep coming back to agrion is about um, seeing people that they only get to see once a year um, or really finding finding out about you know what brings people from all over the world. To Regina so uh, it's a lot of fun that way and I and I sincerely hope that by doing a, a program like this we encourage more people to volunteer in whatever capacity they can.
1: Aggravation also this year is launching a new lifetime shareholder
2: program just what is that? Well this was a program that we were working on around um, around our 50th uh, show uh, celebrations as well and and so we wanted to keep keep that up and make sure that we were able to um, to offer this still, so uh, really what we're doing is we have an extremely limited number of, of quote unquote shares in um which will entitle the shareholder to a lifetime of, of discounts uh, and admissions and VIP treatments, you know, throughout the entire shareholder's uh, life. So it's a it's an extremely um, broad and I think uh, useful program to be a part of for shareholders but when we when we announce it there will only be 100 available so it's uh we expect it to be a pretty high demand program and i think if you are uh a cattle exhibitor for example if uh if you get a significant discount on entry fees at agribition which will be part of this program uh for as long as you're coming to agribition it probably is uh probably a pretty useful marketing tool
1: how much will the shares sell for
2: I don't know that we've settled on that just yet, Jim. I think uh, we want to we want to reflect the value of it, but we, we also want them to be accessible uh, for folks. So I think um, you know as we build out what that full lineup of discounts and benefits and VIP access will look like, uh, then we'll uh, we'll figure out exactly how much they'll cost.
1: You're also maintaining other programs from other years. I understand the the Next Gen Agriculture Mentorship Program, the Celebrating Women in Agriculture Award, and the scholarship programs. Yeah, I think that gives a, a good example for
2: folks around around the idea that agribition is is a year-round operation. We do uh, programs and work within agriculture that is outside of uh, just a six-day show in November, and those programs are especially important to us uh, as a way to you know keep the work that we do and and we can help with around uh, youth and mentor development, and of course, celebrating women in ag is is a core piece. Of, of what we do every year too. So those things are important for us. Those, those didn't take a break uh, during COVID and they're not taking a break now.
1: Chris Lane is the CEO of Canadian Western Agrivation, featured in a virtual online event this year because of COVID-19. Org.
0: Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley
1: on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Salford Group. Call your Salford equipment dealer or visit com. A couple of big events for 4-H this week, both at home and internationally. On Wednesday, November 4th, it will be the day to show your 4-H colors by wearing something green. Valerie Stone from Brant County in Southern Ontario is the chair of the 4-H Council of Canada's Board of Directors.
3: 4-H operates in just under 100 countries and uh, remarkable activities that happen, 4-Hers, even within Canada, have the opportunity to participate in global opportunities.
1: On Wednesday, there are several events planned.
3: On November 4th, 4-H members have the opportunity to show their 4-H colours and uh, we do have some remarkable monuments across the country. For example, the CN Tower in Toronto will be lit up green. As well, we'll have some major media coverage with um, our Youth Advisory Committee connecting with BASF and sharing some significant 4-H videos and really what the reasons are why the 4-H community is so proud to wear green. So, a number of of opportunities that are going to be coming both on monuments as well as in person, right down even into uh, own communities where their municipality will be raising the 4-H flag.
1: Wearing green also shows support for 4-H.
3: You can capture those t-shirts by visiting our website 4-H-Canada.ca and $4 goes right back to that provincial organization. So for right here in Saskatchewan, your $4 from your shirt will go right back to the 4-H program and uh, really creating that impact. And um, it's really truly inspiring for us to be able to wear green, celebrate 4-H and truly give back to inspire youth to continue to learn to do by doing.
1: 4-H alumni also support the organization.
3: Absolutely. As an alumni myself, I uh, ordered quite a few T-shirts and I've, I've shared them in and amongst my family and friends and are really encouraging them all to give back to support 4-H.
1: Valerie Stone is the chair of the 4-H Council Board of Directors. Wednesday is the opportunity to show your 4-H colors. There will be plenty of activity of social media with many 4-H members and alumni proudly wearing their green T-shirts.
0: Yes. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source
4: 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at CanolaSchool.com.
3: Hey Kara Oosteros here with realagriculture.com. I am back here today and I have here with me Tom Wolf of Agrometrics and Sprayers 101. It is time to talk about getting ready for next year and making sure that sprayer is in top shape to be able to actually run next year. What can you tell me a bit about winterizing your sprayer?
5: Well, winterizing is an important, you know, part of sprayer maintenance, and it's this is the time to do it. Uh, but it's also a time to kind of reflect on, you know, what went well, what didn't go so well. So I, you know, I, I wouldn't mind, you know, maybe en- encouraging people to to be a little philosophical about spraying that time of year.
3: Can you start on the uh, non-philosophic side first and uh, talk about some of the steps producers might want to take when it comes to winterizing?
5: Yeah so you know as you know always there's lots of new people in the business right young people that are doing it maybe for the first time so one of the first questions is well what's the right antifreeze to use in a, in a, in a sprayer and there's a lot of different products you know automobile antifreeze uh, certainly works it's, uh, it's meant for uh, interiors and 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 you know steel and rubber and plastic components as well. Problem with with automotive antifreeze is it's it's toxic. It's it's ethylene glycol and it shouldn't be put on the ground. It's toxic to animals and uh, and so disposal can be an issue. Uh, some people have said you know a, a fertilizer twenty eight percent doesn't freeze either, but it's corrosive. Um, it can crystallize and create a heck of a mess in the spring. Um, so it's uh, it's really not recommended either. Uh, the best thing to use is really an RV-style antifreeze, and many of the uh, equipment dealers actually have that in stock. It's it's a sprayer antifreeze, but it's basically modeled on the RV antifreeze, friendly to plastic, friendly to rubber. Uh, and uh, environmentally friendly. You can actually spray it out or, or, or spill some on the ground, and it's not a, not a real problem. So that's step number one. And most people, would, what they'll do is if they have a relatively modern sprayer, they'll have a, a rinse tank on that sprayer. So they'll fill the antifreeze into the rinse tank. They won't put it into the main tank. So first thing you're going to do, obviously, is clean the sprayer and drain the excess water out, you know, open the filter housings, that kind of a thing. But once the water is out, you um, you will want to put the antifreeze into the rinse tank. And then it's just initiate a rinse cycle. i to introduce that sort of pump will activate and will draw the water from the rinse tank through the wash down nozzles and end up in the, the main tank. And then you you know, the different spurs have different kinds of systems. For example, the the relatively modern spurs will have an automatic rinse cycle on it. then what you're really doing is you're taking the the, the rinse that's in that, the main tank now and pushing it through all the plumbing, maybe the agitation and the wash down nozzles, and then you do that for a few minutes. And so that makes sure all the all the different plumbing lines are, are being you know, exposed to antifreeze. If you don't have an automatic cycle, you do uh, you do that manually. You're just basically saying, "All right, I'm turning the valve this way, pushes it through the down the rinse nozzle and so on." The next step then is to actually uh, use the solution pump and draw from the main tank and allow it to uh, you know to do that. That's if if you don't have an automatic rinse cycle. The next step really after that is once you've got once you're sure that your bypasses and your agitation lines and so on and so forth have antifreeze in them you push that material to the boom and you will typically do it one section at a time and make sure all the nozzles are you know, getting that, that that pinkish, you know, antifreeze color. Uh, a good step to do before that, really, is to use air to blow your booms dry, because that makes it a little easier to, to see. Hey, if it's spraying, it's going to be antifreeze, right? And you don't have to say, okay, is it light pink or dark pink? You know, and it's sort of a moving target. Important to do a uh, thing to do is to uh, check your boom ends. The, the boom ends are a dead end that holds water or air and it, it can't be pushed out through the nozzle so there's usually valves there or plugs that you would open up and make sure that the antifreeze goes all the way to the end. The little remote controls are really handy here you know you don't want to put the whole boom on or run back and forth to the cab. You have a remote control you say alright I'm doing this section right now I'm doing the movements I'm doing the nozzles and then you move down the line and you stand there and do it that way. Once that's done you're, you're more or less home free uh, that's, the, that's the, you know you have some stuff left over in the tank uh, you leave it in there, you can salvage that for next season, store it. Uh, you don't have to throw that out and save yourself a bit of coin that way. Uh, but, but that's that's really the, the end of the process. You know, you may want to wiggle some nozzle bodies and you're obviously watching for leaks and things that you might need to repair.
4: This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at Real Agriculture Day. It's your agra weather
1: forecast on The Source 620
0: CKRM.
1: The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina specializing in farm and ranch real estate in saskatchewan call harry justin or devon at three five two eighteen sixty six the six twenty ckrm farm weather for today mainly sunny sky wind southwest twenty this afternoon the high sixteen the low plus two and we have reached our high forecast for today tomorrow sunny wind west twenty and even warmer a high forecast of seventeen the low plus five Wednesday, sunny and windy, the high 19, the low plus 2. Thursday, partly cloudy, the high 15, the low minus 1. Cloudy on Friday with a high of plus 4, 60% chance of evening flurries and the low minus 8. Saturday, cloudy, 60% chance of flurries, the high minus 6, the low minus 10. Sunday, periods of snow, and the high, minus 9. Normal high is plus 3, the normal low, minus 8. The sun rose at 7.52 this morning. It sets at 5.32 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot, 21 degrees in Maple Creek. It's not quite the hot spot for Canada, though. Alberta has a couple of places that are about 2 degrees hotter. The cold spot, up north, Stony Rapids, minus 7. On the roundup, Estevan is minus 13, Saskatoon plus 13. Saskatoon, 10 degrees, that's plus 10. Swift Current, 14. Weyburn is 17, Yorkton is 14. In Regina, as I said, we've reached our forecast high at 16 degrees, that's 61 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the southwest at 26. Humidity, 35%. The barometer dropping 101.5. Sunny in Moose Jaw, 15 degrees. Winds are from the southwest at 37. Once again, Regina, sunny and 16, that's 61 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Psst.
0: You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News
1: Director, Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougalauctions.com. And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizers just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems expect the best. This is a good time for canola producers to check their bins for heating. Agronomy specialist Justine Cornelson of the Canola Council of Canada says it's important to be careful.
6: Yeah, you know what, it's obviously always a good thing to be out there and checking. Um, Thankfully, we had a nicer harvest season this year, so things were coming off dry, so there should be less... Risk within the bins, but um, it's still valuable to be in there and and making sure that things are cooling down properly and they're not developing any hot pockets within the bin. Um, I know this week we're we're getting pretty warm again, temperature-wise, right? So there's going to be those fluctuations um, in that outside environment, which are going to affect the bin as well. So um, getting in there and and and, you know if there was something that potentially had some green seed in it, make sure you're you're flipping them and and rotating them through. um, You know, getting out there and using your bin monitors and, and just making sure that everything's stable right now
1: some farmers already have their canola in an aeration bin
6: depending on the air a lot of times canola does go onto a bin that's aerated um so that's the thing right making sure that you've got your fans going you're blowing uh not necessarily warm air through there but just any sort of air uh, to help uh get some really good flow throughout that bin Uh, and it's making sure right that if you are on aeration that it is getting across or through that entire bin and you're not having you know potentially a hot spot or a condensation spot on the top or the bottom.
1: Cornelson says many producers are in the midst of trying to determine what canola seed to use next spring.
6: Yeah, you know, that is the really big topic right now. Um, it is um, seed sales time, so we're right, picking out the, the hybrids that you are gonna grow next year on your farm. Um, and it's something that we want producers to really think about and assess, and, and not only to assess what happened this year, but look at the last few years, right? Way out, what are the, the big challenges that you have on your farm, right? Is it a certain pest species? You know, do you have an issue uh, with club root or maybe something like blackleg? Uh, maybe it's a herbicide resistant weed issue. So taking in all of these other or all of these factors and then looking at you know what type of herbicide system are you wanting to use on your farm are you a producer that is looking or have been straight combining right so then you're looking at something with pod shatter or that's got that straight cutting uh rating to it um so right there's all of these little pieces on there and uh, of course you know it yields seems to fall to the top of that list every time but right there's a lot of other factors and decisions uh, that need to be made to pick a hybrid and and we really recommend producers You know, not to just stick to one hybrid for the entire farm. Change it up, try a few different things, right? And and that way you can then check on farm what's working for you, Um, right? We've got obviously a lot of uh, selection there on the canola market, and a bunch of different hybrids available. Um, So you know try something new, uh, play with it on-farm, right? Because these hybrids don't have a really long lifetime anymore, right? They're typically only on market for, you know, a five- to six-year period. So it's a great time to try something new and, and really then see the diversity um, in the genetics um, and the hybrids that are available to a producer.
1: Cornelson says performance trials are important guidelines to help determine which hybrid to use. She says farmers should make a variety decision relatively soon.
6: Yeah, you know what, and, and that's um, kind of typically what goes on. Uh producers want to be booking that seed now so they actually can make sure they can get it. Uh, The retails, right, they've got a set uh, amount of a particular hybrid that they can get in. So, right, they're allotting it to to farms. Um, So, right, you don't want to miss that opportunity because you're too late. Um, Obviously, some of these last-moment decisions happen every year, right, before going into seeding. You know, something changes on-farm. Um, so, right, you, you, you do have that flexibility, it's not like there's a, a shortage of seed by any means, but you just might not get the hybrid that you're wanting to. Um, so that's right, right, taking all of this information this year um, and, and assessing, you know, the options that are available for next year um, and getting it done sooner rather than later is a good
1: idea. Justine Cornelson is an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada.
0: You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM.
1: This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. A water management project is being conducted at the Discovery Farm near Langham. It will evaluate several management practices meant to reduce nutrient runoff, which has lost money for farmers and can create environmental concerns in areas where the water drains. The goal is to design a drainage plan that meets regulatory requirements and optimizes land productivity while preserving the environment. The project lead spoke to reporters a week ago at the Discovery Farm Field Day. Jeff Shano, a professor in the Department of Soil Science at the University of Saskatchewan. He's also the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture
4: Chair in Soil Nutrient Management. On one quarter section here at the Discovery Farm, uh, there's actually eight basins which have had some drainage installed to consolidate and remove the water from those eight individual basins and consolidate them all into one larger wetland area. And it's all based on a normal field. Yeah, really what we're trying to do here is really simulate uh, what a producer might do to uh, consolidate the water on his uh, land by um, moving the water from smaller basins into one larger basin. And then what we're particularly interested in is once the water's been removed, what kind of best management practices could be applied to best use the nutrients in that soil, in those basins, once the uh, water has been removed, as opposed to having those nutrients removed from those basins by runoff water moving out of those uh, basins uh, across uh, the landscape and, and potentially into a water body where they might cause an issue.
1: This is quite an issue with drainage because of differing needs.
4: Yes, because really what it involves is is really keeping the water on the land area, but consolidating the water in in one place, and also really trying to make the best utilization of the nutrients that are in those soils once that water has been removed from them. Really when it comes to utilizing those nutrients, it involves uh, some strategies like maybe growing forages to recover the nutrients out of those uh, soils, uh, reducing the fertilizer inputs in there, to use. the nutrients that have been built up in there over time and also maybe considering some types of, of strategic tillage options uh, in order to reduce the export of soluble nutrients out of the crop residues that are left behind.
1: Shano outlines four different options under study.
4: Yeah, so what we've got out of eight basins is we have duplicates of four treatments. We have a control treatment, which is kind of business as usual. Then we have a management that we're going to be establishing in a drain basin, uh, which involves the use of a cover crop, a forage crop, uh, that would include a legume in there that has a high nutrient removal and utilization potential. Another treatment that we have is a type of 4R, or uh, right source, right rate, right time, uh, uh, placement type of assessment of fertilizer use, a kind of precision application of fertilizer where we reduce or eliminate the fertilizer that's applied in the basin so that we can better use the uh, nutrients that have accumulated in that basin in the previous years. The final treatment that we're evaluating is a tillage operation, a light tillage operation, in order to uh, incorporate some of the residue into the soil and hopefully that will reduce or eliminate the movement of uh, soluble phosphorus in the uh, spring snowmelt runoff.
1: And doing the project out in a field has some advantages.
4: Yeah, this is a great opportunity for us to work in a kind of real-world situation where we have an entire farm field where the type of approach to uh, water consolidation is similar to what uh, an average grower would do perhaps out there, and to be able to look at things on a landscape uh, scale. And that's really good uh, when it comes to scaling up from laboratory or controlled environment or small plot studies to be able to actually take some of these best management practices out on a field scale scale and evaluate them. it's a three-year research project So right now what's happened is that the basins have been identified and that drainage has been implemented so that we've taken some baseline soil samples this fall from each of our eight basins that we're using in our evaluation and next spring those treatments will be applied. We'll be seeding some forages in two of them, we'll be applying our variable rate fertilizer application strategy in two of them and we'll also be doing some uh, of the uh, strategic tillage, some vertical tillage on our uh, residue incorporation, our two uh, uh, basins in the spring as well so we're just getting started then we'll be sampling every year we'll be sampling soils and we'll be also sampling water and at different points in the different basins we'll also be doing some simulated uh, snowmelt runoff assessments uh, of our treatments in each of those basins and we'll be doing that for three Jeff Shano is a professor
1: in the Department of Soil Science at the University of Saskatchewan and also the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture Chair in Soil Nutrient Management. He is involved in a water management project going on at the Discovery Farm near Langham. Farmers will get updates on the research each July during the Ag in Motion field day. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hollis Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1 800 284 9999 and brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia, and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices at Viterra were showing major changes today. Durham gained $9.19 at 288.44. Feed barley rose $5 at $214.70. Canola fell $1.70 at $489.47. Oats went up $3 at $193.53. Yellow peas gained $4 at $306.89. Number one red spring wheat dropped 13 cents at $234.55. The rest were unchanged. Flax, $653.92. Lentils, $639.50 feed wheat 18372 Minneapolis spring wheat December futures went up 5 and 3 quarter cents at $5.58 a bushel It's the livestock reports on the source 620
0: CKRM
1: The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn 842-4574. And now the latest livestock quotes.
7: Heartland Livestock Market Report, Tony Peacock reporting from Swift Current yards. 3,350 cattle in the Saturday ranch calf sale here in Swift Current. It was higher by a bit than the Thursday calf sale and Thursday was higher than what's happened before that. Sure nice to see maybe this thing's taken a turn for very much the better. 3,350 calves. Average weight was 546 a thousand eighty two dollars per calf, that's twenty two dollars more than the Thursday sale which was higher than the one before that here's the 700 pound black steers 18550 red steers at 680 18675 the Red Cross sim steers at 680 187 75 660 weight tens 191 75. 650 pound black steers 190. 600 pound red steers, 196.75. The blocks spring the same. The print tan steers at 6,202.50. 580 pound block steers, 206.75. 570 pound herford steers 192 and a quarter the 550 weight red steers 208 and 210 75 the blacks 214 here is a uh, exceptional one owner load of 540 pound uh black steers bring two 500 pound red steers 209 and a quarter for the sorted ones 222.50 for the ham calves from frontier 480 weight black steers 237 the tans 247 right at 400 pounds the blacks 262 and a quarter the 350 good quality but mixed colored calves 274 670 weight heifers 16450. 600-pound blocks, well, 174.50 is super loaded. reds at 600, bring 177 and a quarter. The 540 weight black heifers, 179. The reds, 180 and a quarter. The 550 weight tan heifers, one ninety-one fifty. The 480 weight uh, red heifers, 186. The blacks, 190 and a quarter. And the reds, at four, or the tans, at 480, bring 207. 400-pound red and black heifers, 205. 400-pound 10 heifers, 220 and a half. And the 350 crossbred cattle, mixed colors but good calves. The heifers, 220, 75. That's the way it is in cattle country. Heartland, Swift, Corinth.
1: And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices $174.57 per CKG. That's both Brandon and Moose Jaw plants. Coming up, the Resource Report.
0: This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620
1: CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Olympic Buildings. See them for ag buildings, riding arenas, hay barns, and more. Build with confidence. Olympic-buildings.ca. Canada's top central bankers as an economic rebound that leaves behind parts of the workforce in the short term could jeopardize a recovery from COVID-19 in the long run. Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem says the longer people hit by the pandemic are out of work, the harder it will be for them to find new jobs and the more likely they are to give up looking for work. He warns the combined result of impacts on workers and businesses could weigh down the economy, affecting even those who are doing comparatively well. U.S. manufacturing posted a strong gain in October to the highest level in two years, even as COVID-19 cases were beginning to surge again in many parts of the nation. The Institute for Supply Management says its manufacturing index rose to a reading of 59.3 percent last month, up from 55 percent in September. It was the highest level for this closely watched barometer of manufacturing health in the U.S. since September 2018. On the markets, the industrial sector led Canada's main stock index higher in late morning trading while U.S. stock markets also regained some of the ground they lost last week. The TSX Composite Index was up 69 points at 15,649. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 349 points at 26,851. The Canadian dollar traded at 75.36 cents U.S. compared with 75.09 cents Friday. The December crude oil contract was up 12 cents at 35.91 a barrel. That's the resource report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at $1.45 this afternoon and an agri-news report at 3.45 p.m. Tomorrow morning, there's another agri-news report at 6.45 a.m. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good... You've been listening to Saskatchewan
0: Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12
1: o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM.